friends that we've known for a long time. We've got some good friends we just met. And so would you take a minute and welcome everybody in the name of the Lord. So glad to have you here this morning, and uh, go ahead and find a seat. I'll tell you what, they're filling up fast. We praise the Lord for that. This is God's house, and we're so thankful for Him bringing you here to be with us today. If you're a first-time guest, run the microphone down just a little bit, my friend. Uh, Grant, just a little bit down on my mic. <clears throat> I don't want to, I, I want to keep everybody awake, but I don't want to hurt your <laughs> hearing permanently. All right. If you're a first-time guest, there's a card like this in the seat back right in front of you. It's called a connection card, and it's so you can connect with us. We can connect with you. We would love to have you fill it out if you wouldn't mind, uh, front and back. If you have prayer requests, if you have address changes, you're a member that you've come here a long time, but you have an address change or maybe a phone number change or an email address change or whatever, go ahead and do that. Uh, and then drop it in the offering box in the back, which is to the left of the double doors as you came in. And... Uh, Man, I want you to be praying because here's a <clears throat> big decision we made <clears throat> uh, about Easter is that we, there's no way we can hold everybody uh, for Easter. So we're going to do this. We're going to have two services. We're going to have a 9 a.m. service and an 11 a.m. service on Easter. We're going to have two Easter egg hunts for the kids so they won't feel left out after each service. Uh, but we're going to ask you to do this. We're going to ask you to attend one service and work one service. Now, the areas that are going to be impacted are, first of all, the praise team is going to probably have to do double duty. If you're available to help out, let Shira know, and she will work that out however she feels fit. Uh, but in our children's ministry, we've been having, uh, we had 36, I think she said last week, in our children's ministry. Uh, and so we're going to need uh, two teams of workers for that day. But we can't just use anybody. You've got to be uh, background checked. So we're in the process right now of doing background. I mean, it's serious. We have to <laughs> uh, by the insurance. So, um, so if you volunteered a few weeks ago when we made our commitments to work, but you haven't yet 
filled out the background check form. See Laura today or Julie today. Pick up one, get it filled out, turn it in. So we'll pay the fee and, and we'll take care of that. But we want to have a good two good teams of workers uh, for Easter Sunday, which is, I think, April the 8th, uh, 12th. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it's the 12th. Yes. Does that sound right? That's right. If it's not, it's something else. It's the 12th. All right, so right. Uh, it's exciting. You want to start bringing candy for the plastic Easter eggs? Go ahead and do that. If you want to start bringing plastic Easter eggs, now the candy needs to be individually wrapped. It's better not to have something like real multi chocolate because and when they sit out in the front yard uh, for a little while, then they tend to become one with the plastic egg. So, um, you know, wrapped something candy. If, you, if you're not into candy, if you want to put a piece of celery in there, go for it. You're going to tick some kids... You're going to tick some kids off if you do that, but hey, you know, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Can't please everybody, right? <laughs> we try. <clears throat> i tell you who we want to please. <clears throat> we want to please the Lord, amen? <clears throat> so let's go to him right now and ask him to be here in power and in truth. Our Heavenly Father, you are the guest of honor. We believe our guests, our visitors, our are very important people, but Lord, you are the most important person. And so if you're not here today, then there's no reason for us to be here. We just may as well go on home. But Lord, we believe if we ask you to be here, that you will be, because where two or three are gathered in your name, and that's the reason we're here, then you've said there you are in the midst. So God, we have people this morning who need to hear from you today. They need encouragement. They need instruction. They need companionship. They need comfort. Father, we all need something from you. And you've made it so that it's okay for us to ask you. So, Lord, we pray that you administer to each one of us, meet all of our needs. Those who are going through physical trials with uh, serious disease, God, heal them because you are the great physician because it would bring honor and glory to your name. Those who are going through problems in their homes, Lord, bring peace and unity and love. And, God, make those homes a little bit of heaven on earth as you intend for them to be. For those going through <clears throat> financial trials, maybe not having work, <clears throat> we pray, Father, that you would provide for them. You promised to take care of us as we're faithful to you, that you'll be faithful to us. So, Lord, there's not a need that we have that you won't take care of and not able to take care of. We thank you that for that and pray that you would be with us and walk with us today. Father, bless us as we continue to worship you in song. Thank you for everyone's participation in that. And Lord, we pray that the message would be one you would use. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Would you stand together as we continue to sing?
Is that the second song? That's not. Finding myself at a loss for words and the funny thing is it's okay last thing I need is to be heard but to hear what you would say word of God speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of God Finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music, beyond the noise, all that I need is to be with you, and in the quiet, hear your voice, word of would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know you're in this place. Thank you, praise team. Appreciate it, all of you. Boys and girls, come on up, all of the boys and girls, First Baptist Church. And by the way, today we do have windsurfers, I think. Do we have the windsurfer class today? Yes, we do. All right, so all of you fifth, sixth, seventh graders, we're going to have a class for you out on the patio. 
and all of the other boys and girls here. We've got a growing children's department. That's why we need helpers from you who will help out once a month or so. And for Easter, we're going to need two whole teams. So please don't be bashful about signing up. All right. If I were to say old MacDonald had a farm, and on this farm he had a dog. What else did he have? A duck. What else did he have? A cow. Chickens. Horse. More chickens. He's going to be a preacher. <laughs> you need lots of chicken if you're going to enter a ministry. Yes. Pigs. A donkey. Sheep. Corn. Yeah, corn. Huh? Itself. Okay. A what? Llama? I'm not sure what a llama says either. So there's something else. There's something else. Yes. An alpaca. Now we're getting really way out there. Yes. A duck. A lamb. You know what I'm thinking of? Old McDonald had a farm, and on that farm he had a tree. Have you ever heard that one? On that farm, he had a tree, and it was such a beautiful tree. It was a really old, old tree. It was huge, big, huge tree. And people would drive for miles around to take pictures of this tree and to paint pictures of this tree because it was awesome. It was an incredible tree. And he was so happy to have this big, beautiful shade tree out on his front yard. And one day, he was watching his tree and sitting back and saying, man, I'm glad I'm old MacDonald, I'm glad I have a farm, and I'm glad I have that tree on my farm. It's just an amazing tree. And to his amazement, he saw a mama raccoon come to the tree, and behind her were three little baby raccoons, and they started climbing up into the tree, and he was watching them. He said, I wonder what they're going to do. And all of a sudden, they began disappearing into a place in the tree, and he thought, what? How's that happening? So he went and got a big, long ladder, later on, after the mama and the baby raccoons were gone, and he put it up against the tree, and he climbed up there as far as he could. He got to this place where he saw them disappear, and he saw there was a hole in the tree. And when he looked inside the hole in the tree, he could tell that not only the raccoons, but through the years, other things had been living there. And as he looked into it, the tree was hollow. He didn't know that. He didn't realize the tree was hollow. And they got to thinking, you know what? We have some big storms out here on my old McDonald farm. And, and, and every once in a while, we have old McDonald's that have tornadoes on our farm. And that's not good if this big, huge tree is hollow because what happens when the storms of life come along? It might topple that tree and it might cause someone a lot of harm or damage or maybe even cost them their life or injury or something like that. And so he was forced, he's faced with a dilemma. What's he going to do? And you know what, boys and girls? Our bodies are kind of like that tree. Now, now, I have two things here. I have a dowel and I have a straw. Okay, which one is bigger? The straw is bigger. A little bit, tiny bit longer. Uh, the straw is bigger, but the piece of wood has more mass. Has more mass. That's right. What are you, an engineer? That's good. Exactly right. It's dense. So the straw is what? Hollow. Hollow. And the dowel is? Solid. 
All right? It's solid. So now I want somebody. Can you take this and bend it for me? Take it and bend the straw. There. Easy peasy. She did it. Okay. Can you take this and break it? Okay. Now, see? See? We're like this straw. And depending on who resides within us depends on how strong we are. Now, if we put the dowel inside the straw, what happens? Can you bend the straw? Nope. Not even. It, you're allowed to grunt. No, don't take it out. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. All right. So the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when we're, we're hollow until either the Holy Spirit comes in to take up residence, which in that case makes us strong against all the storms of life. Whatever happens, you can stand strong and tall and, and secure because God will take care of you. Or if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're open to demonic influence. We're open to Satan coming in and causing us grief and causing us problems, and we can't withstand the storms of life. So, boys and girls, when you get old enough to understand that Jesus loved you and that he died on the cross for your sins, and when you get old enough to understand that you want him to be your savior and you ask him to come into your life, the Bible says that our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and you will be strong when he lives there. Yes, ma'am. That's what I thought. Yeah. You okay? Did you get that? Yeah. All right. Is that sweet or what? Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for every single girl, every single boy, every teenager, every young adult here, every older adult, every middle-aged adult. Father, we're just thankful for everybody who's come today. We pray your blessings upon us. And Lord, may we learn in the sermon, may we learn in the Sunday school classes what you have for us today so that we'll be better followers of Christ and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, boys and girls, go to your class. And windsurfers, go to your class. And any seats that are available, kind of leave on the aisles. And um, hopefully, then, if people come in, they'll have a place to sit. It's kind of a cool problem to run out of seats. We'll give them a moment to get settled. How many know the name Caligula? How many know the name Nero? How many know the name Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, Paul Pot, Idi Amin, Saddam Hussein, Mao Zedong, Osama bin Laden? Too many people for too long in human history have had to live in terrible times and endure terrible tyrants. John the Revelator who's the author, human author, of the book of Revelation. And it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not revelations with an S. Not revelations, although there are revelations in the book of Revelation. Okay, got that? Um, but John the Revelator lived in such terrible times. He lived part of the time while Nero uh, was, was the Caesar in charge. And uh, every citizen was required to go to an altar and offer incense where they proclaimed that Caesar is Lord. And Christians understanding the prohibition against idolatry, the prohibition against multi-godism, uh, polytheism, as we would call it, couldn't do that. And for that reason, 
They were charged with treason against the state of Rome and the crime of atheism. Isn't that interesting? They were char- Even though they were Christians, they were charged with the, with the crime of atheism, which in that culture meant not having a visible God. I didn't know that until I studied for this message today. Not having a visible God. Therefore, they were killed in the arenas. They were crucified. They were burned alive in Nero's garden. But I'm going to tell you something. The worst is still yet to come because there is a diabolical, unholy trinity that will come to power during the tribulation. Uh, The trinity consists of Satan, who is anti-father, and then the false prophet, who is anti-Holy Spirit, and the antichrist, who by definition is against Christ. And, And the antichrist is also called the beast. Now, one of the primary places we find this is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read that for you in a different translation, perhaps, than you're used to. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how that we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Already in Christ's day, there was this false teaching that Christ has returned. It just wasn't physically uh, and visibly, it was spiritually. He'd already come back. Not true. So John, or Paul, right, he's writing to Thessalonia and, and clarifying that. He said, don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. There are people, there are preachers in pulpits. That's why I say, if I say something that's not in the Bible, it's not, it, it, it contradicts something in the Bible. I'm wrong. The Bible's right. You can't believe Everybody, just because they say they had a revelation from God. I used to work in a psychiatric ward. You would be amazed at the number of people there who thought they were being told things that were weird by God. And they believed it totally. So they were, they were sincere. But you know what? You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. You understand that, right? So don't believe just anybody. Don't be uh, shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision. A revelation or a letter from us, supposedly. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come. The day of the Lord will not come unless there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God. There will be another temple, the third Jewish temple claiming that he, that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you all about this when I was with you, Paul says, and you know that uh, what is holding him back, for it, he can be revealed only when his time comes. There's a set time that he's coming back, that, that this person is going to be revealed. And for this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. By the way, an aside, the one who's holding him back right now is the Holy Spirit of God. That's the one who's holding back this spirit of Antichrist and perhaps the person of Antichrist as well. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed when that who is holding it back steps out of the way. But the Lord Jesus (coughs) will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Now, in Revelation 13, uh, another 
uh, passage that has input into who this uh, Antichrist will be. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, and it had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns on its horns. This is why the book of Revelation can get really tricky and really difficult sometimes. As a literalist, I understand there are figures of speech. I understand there's allegory. Uh, and so we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And that's for another lesson to tell you how we come to this point in this verse. But listen to what he says. And written on each head were the names that blasphemed God. This beast or living creature looked like a leopard, uh, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. And I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery. But the fatal wound was healed. It seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. And the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon, Satan, for giving the beast, the Antichrist, uh, such power. And they also worship the beast. Who is, who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and one half years, one half of the tribulation time. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people, still Israel. Israel still God's chosen people, even though they're in denial about his messiahship today. Uh, This Antichrist will rage war against them and and, and try to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. And they're the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So the first question we would have here, uh, to attempt to answer that is, is, is this Antichrist a person or is this Antichrist a power and a spirit and an influence? Some people believe that the Antichrist is merely a symbol of evil and of oppressive government or oppressive um, world system. And they use 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, for example. Already many such Antichrists have appeared. And in chapter 4, verse 3 of 1 John, But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist. So it's the idea of it's a pervasive spirit. It's an attitude of anti-God, anti-Christ, kind of like what we have today. We have a a huge anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-moral philosophy or ism out in the world today. And, And so some people think that that's all this is, this, this rising up of this beast is, is an influence and a power, not a specific person. They also use Second John verse 7. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world that deny that Jesus Christ has come in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. So they say, okay, see, there could be thousands of antichrists, tens of thousands. There could be millions of antichrists. So because John wrote in 1 John and in 2 John these passages, therefore it must just be this antichrist spirit, must be an an influence that's pervasive in the world at some point in time. But the same person who wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John also wrote the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And he also, in the book of Revelation, identifies this 
this living creature. He, see, he calls him the beast in Revelation 13, the Antichrist in 1 John 2, the lawless one in 2 Thessalonians 2, uh, the man, and Paul wrote that, uh, and the man doomed to destruction, uh, the man of lawlessness, the foolish, worthless shepherd in Zechariah chapter 11, the king in Daniel chapter 11, a contemptible person, Daniel chapter 11, verse 21, the ruler who will come, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, a little horn, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. So, the term Antichrist, that term specifically is only found in the writings of John. So what Daniel's referring to, he doesn't use the, the word or the Hebrew equivalent of Antichrist. Uh, only John uses that. And, and there's a distinction uh, between uh, those opposing Christ and a false Christ. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus is speaking, and he's giving an address, a discourse, and he says, there shall arise false Christs which in the Greek is pseudo-Christos, pseudo-Christos, pseudo, like pseudonym, and so on. It's, it's like a fake Christ. There shall arise a pseudo-Christ as opposed to anti-Christos and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. So pseudo-Christos is the one who doesn't deny the being of a Christ, but rather represents themselves as being the Christ. It's being the Savior. That's a pseudo-Christos. They they don't say there's not going to be a Christ. They say, I am the Christ. There are people right now in the world claiming that they are the Messiah. They are the Christ. Whether you have the David Koresh types or whether you have uh, the Sun Young Moon types or whether you have, I mean, there there are people today, I'm sure, that I I don't even know about who are claiming to be the Messiah. Antichristos, on the other hand, opposes and even denies Christ. There's no such thing. No one's coming back. That's just a fairy tale. That's just a dream Christians have. That's just something they try to uh, teach so that they don't feel so bad about a loved one who dies or about their impending death. So that's the difference in pseudo-Christos, anti-Christos. So who is this person? Who is the Antichrist? Isn't that the question of the ages? Wouldn't you like to know who it is? I have read, I've been around a few years, and I have, I have had people say, well, Nero... Caesar was the Antichrist, and they have some formula figured out. I remember Adolf Hitler was called the Antichrist, and they, had, they gave numbers to each letter of his name and figured it all out, and when you add them up, it's 666. It's got to be Adolf Hitler, Heil, Sig Heil, so on and so forth. Other people said it was Joseph Stalin. I have no idea how they got that. Other people said it was the Pope. Other people said it was Richard Nixon. Some of you would agree with that, whatever. <laughs> Others say it's George Soros. Others said it was Barack Obama. A lot of people are saying it's Donald Trump. In fact, when I went online looking for images of the Antichrist, <laughs> you, would believe, you wouldn't believe how many images of Donald Trump are in the images of Antichrist. Oh, someone else believed it was Madonna, and someone else believes it's Oprah, and someone else believes it's Hillary Clinton. I'm kind of leaning... Uh, uh, <laughs> Some say it's Vladimir Putin, some Mark Zuckerberg, for crying out loud, others Bernie Sanders, and a host of lesser-known people. Some people think their neighbor is the Antichrist. I don't know. I don't know. The husband of their wife. I don't know. I'm not saying. What did John... So, so it is a person, but you know what? This person is not identifiable until the Holy Spirit is... And the Holy Spirit's influence... Now, the Holy Spirit's everywhere, just like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's everywhere... But, but he will allow, he will let things happen during the tribulation time that he's not allowing to happen right now. He's keeping, he's setting boundaries 
to what Satan can do right now. But he'll remove those boundaries at some point. That's in the great tribulation time. So what did John see? In Revelation 13, we read a little while ago, he saw ten horns, seven heads. The seven heads are seven kings, according to Revelation chapter 17. So there's where you get the interpretation. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. If I were just going to read Revelation 13, I'd say, man, the horns, they must be trumpets. They must be trumpets, because I like, you know, I played trumpet, and so you know, if you're going to have horns, you've got to have trumpets. Yeah. Some people say, no, it's antlers, or it's like a horn on a bull, and that's probably what it was in the vision. Uh, but in Revelation 17, we figure out they're kings. The, the, ten, the seven heads, rather, I'm getting confused. The ten horns, ten nations. Uh, in Daniel chapter 7, Revelation 17, let Scripture interpret Scripture. He likens them. He doesn't say they are a leopard, a bear, and a lion. He says they are likened unto a, a leopard, a bear, and a lion. They're swift. They're powerful. They're deadly. And, and all of these, uh, all these attributes that, uh, that are given to uh, the Gentile powers, that's basically where that comes from. That's what John saw. The character of the Antichrist, the term beast, uh, sounds scary by itself. You know, it's like, what? But in the 1611 translation, it, it, beast meant a living creature as opposed to something made of stone, something made of wood, uh, something that wasn't really alive. So it means living creature. So uh, he will be regarded as a great leader, a savior to much of the world. Antichrist is opposed to the true Christ, the total opposite of Jesus Christ. His goal is oppression and power, whereas Jesus came to seek and to serve the lost. He is intelligent and powerful, but Jesus is omnipotent and omniscient. He is pervasive and cunning. Uh, Jesus is wise beyond all else. The world will look on him with awe. Uh, the world will see him whom they have pierced at the end of the tribulation time and will repent of their sins, at least Israel will. He lusts after even more power, the Antichrist does. Jesus has all power, omnipotent. He will hate God, the Antichrist will, but Jesus loves the Father and, and points people to the Father. Uh, the Antichrist refuses to submit to any authority. Jesus submits to the authority of the Father, even though they are co-equal in essence. They are identical. Uh, one is a picture-perfect copy of the other, replicated, a replication of the other, and yet he submits because of chain of command within the Godhead, and he is the epitome, the Antichrist is, of selfish ambition. Christ comes to please the Father, absolutely to please his Father. So, who are his accomplices? Why am I talking about a satanic trinity, a diabolical trinity? Because Satan is the anti-God. So Satan, who used to be an archangel, who used to be the highest, perhaps, of all created beings, uh, fell through, through pride and, and saying, I'm going to elevate myself. I'm going to become this. I'm going to become that. I'm going to ascend to the sides of the north. I will become God. I will become like the God. He, because of that, he was cast out of his role and his command. A third of the angels fell with him is what, um, is, what is believed by most theologians. And then again, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we read a little while ago, this man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. So the Antichrist um, will be empowered by Satan. Just like a Christian is empowered by God and the Holy Spirit of God, so this, uh, this person, this person who comes to this great power, politically, spiritually, financially, uh, government-wise, every way, 
he will be working the work of Satan because Satan is filling him, and he will do so with counterfeit power, counterfeit power, and signs and miracles. So they will, it doesn't, there's the leeway that they won't be real miracles. He won't have real power, but that they're counterfeit. They're made to make people believe that. He will deceive people and into fooling uh, into being fools and following him and believing him. In Revelation 13, 2, the dragon gave the beast his own power, throne, and great authority. So the dragon, Satan, Lucifer, all one person gives this power, this incredible power to the Antichrist. So you have the, the anti-God, the Father in Satan. You have Antichrist, anti-Son in the, in the person of the Antichrist. And then you have the false prophet. And the false prophet completes this diabolical trinity that I'm talking about this morning. He is the anti-Holy Spirit. In Revelation 19, 20, the beast was captured with him um, and with the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. So again, this, this, this false prophet is going to work miracles or seemingly miracles and will promote the Antichrist and, and will go will rise in power along with him. And they were, they're going to deceive all who accept the mark of the beast. If you ever, if you are alive in a time when someone governmentally says you have to accept this mark in your forehead, this mark in your hand, don't do it. I told you last week, you know, this guy, get, get, he's got a chip implanted in his hand so he can walk up to his car. Don't have to have a fob. I just open the door. I can start my car with my hand. You know what, buddy? I'd cut that hand off. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't want to have, a, you don't want to have anything like that, uh, anything resembling the forehead or the, or the hand. Uh, don't do it. That, that, to me, is preparing people for what they will eventually have to have. You know what? You already have a chip. There's my Discover card chip right there, that little silver doodad. I'm not putting that thing on my head. <laughs> there I have a Chase debit card chip. You guys in the military, gals in the military, you got a, you got a deal? Uh, yeah. It's just we're a hop, skip, and a jump away from the Antichrist rising to power, folks. You know what? Okay, I'm, I, nobody knows the day of the hour. I don't know the day of the hour. I have no idea when those going to come back. But I'm going to tell you something. This generation should not pass away. When you start seeing these things happen, this generation will not pass away. We may be in the very last few ticks of the time clock to when Christ comes back again. His career, we got a chart up here. You won't be able to see it. I don't even know why I put it up here. Basically, anybody know Clarence Larkin? Huh? He's dead. Uh, <laughs> but he made this chart. So, um, so on the left, Christ meeting his church in the air. First Thessalonians 4, we talked about going up, the rapture. That's what that is right there. On this side, the revelation. That's when he comes back to earth, literally splits mount, uh, the mountain in two right there. Uh, it kind of it's shown as a mountain split into. Then you've got the dragon, the satanic trinity, dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, and that's the tribulation period. That's the seven-year period. First part of which there's peace uh, for 42 months, 
In fact, let me just give you his, his career. He starts out as a little horn, a, a little king for a peaceful first three and a half years. He becomes a leading Western European power and authority, heading up a 10-nation confederation of the revived Roman Empire. I don't know if it's the EEC uh, or the, the economic... I don't know what they call it now. Common, it used to be the I, I, common market. No, I can't think of what it was, but it's not called that anymore anyhow. So uh, the EEC. So it may be that, it may not be that. Nations keep shifting in there. They come in, they go out. They go, you know, Brexit was the last one to leave and so on. Uh, but, but he will rise to power in Europe as a significant leader of people. As the judgments of God uh, go along during the tribulation period, as these, these trumpet judgments, bile judgments, and so on, as they're released, one-fourth of the people of the world's population dies, and the Antichrist, meanwhile, amasses more and more power, more and more following. He becomes a great leader. Desperate people in desperate times seek for a strong leader, and he will appear to be that strong leader, and they will believe his lies. In 2 Thessalonians 2.11, God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then he makes a treaty with Israel. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty with his people for a period of, for one set of seven. Remember the, the, the 49 weeks and then the 70th week? 50th week, uh, that seven-year period in Daniel chapter 9, and, and he'll make that, period, that treaty for seven years, but in half of that time, three and a half years, or 42 months, he'll put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object of some kind that causes desecration until his fate is decreed and, this defiler is, is, and the, the defiler is finally poured out on him. He, he will actually set himself up to be God. At the midpoint of the tribulation, powerful nations will determine to invade Israel. Uh, we know the Arab nations have many times thought about it, talked about it, and on a few times have actually attempted to do it. Uh, the Antichrist uses the treaty as a tool to invade Israel himself because in Daniel chapter 11, the king of the north will storm into Israel uh, and the king of, simultaneously, the king of the south, will rise up against him. Uh, Antichrist will come in because I have a treaty with you people. I'm going to protect you people. And so he will defeat the king of the north who maybe is Russia. We're not, uh, not certain about that at all. But perhaps Russia, Gog and Magog talks about. Uh, he will defeat the king of the south. I'm not sure who they are. The Arabs, I'm not sure. Uh, and he receives an apparent, apparently fatal wound. Apparently fatal wound. But he's brought back to life. He's either, he either dies or he's brought back to life with the power of Satan, which I don't believe he has that power. Or it's a counterfeit resurrection. It's a fake resurrection. It's a fake. Yeah, he, was, he, he had a bad wound, but uh, he's raised back to life. And he enters the temple, proclaims himself to be God, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. Uh, 2, 4. And, and, and when that happened, and then he kills the two witnesses, remember, that are preaching in the streets of Jerusalem, and no one can touch him because fire comes down from heaven if they do. Uh, and, and then he sets up an image of himself as an object of worship, like Nebuchadnezzar of old did, and the false prophet completes the satanic trinity, and a mark is required of everyone to buy or sell or to own, and he meets then with resistance. The two classifications of resistance the Antichrist will ultimately not be able to overcome are the new Christians, 
who, who are converted during the tribulation. Now you say, okay, preacher, there you go. If you're not a Christian right now and you're thinking, you know what happens? If, if, I, if one day I wake up and my wife who's a Christian is gone and my parents who are Christians are gone and my kids who are Christians are gone, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get saved during that tribulation. Well, you know what? God bless you, but the Bible says a lot of people are going to believe a strong delusion and a lie, and they're going to have some kind of an explanation for all these people uh, that are missing, and, and they're going to somehow put out a lie that people are going to swallow hook, line, and sinker. But even if you don't believe the lie, even if you say, you say no, I'm not going to preach, if something happens and all the godly people in my life are gone, I'm going to know what happened. I'm going to turn to Christ. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be martyred for the cause of Christ. You won't be able to take the mark of the beast. You won't be able to buy food. You won't be able to have shelter. You won't be able to have bank accounts. You won't be able to have, uh, buy gasoline for your automobile. I mean, you're going to be in, in, a, in a fix, and you're going to have to pay for not earning your salvation. You're going to pay for that salvation if, in fact, you get saved by martyrdom more than likely. So the followers of Jesus will oppose. They will withstand, but they won't be able to overcome at all. And then the Jews are going to withstand him because when he makes himself out to be God, when he sets up an idol, he violates one of the cardinal commandments they were given uh, in the, the original 10. And in Matthew 24, 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. These are Jesus' words. The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. I mean, it is going to be the most horrendous. If you take all of the people I mentioned at the very beginning of this message, the Caligula all the way down to Oprah Winfrey, if you put all of these people who... No, that was a different list. Uh, if you put all the people who, who have been the terrors of history together, they, they will be surpassed by the Antichrist. So here's his end. What's going to happen to him? Much of the world falls at his feet, Revelation 13, 8, and all the people who belong to this world who worship the beast, they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, the book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. So persecution comes against them. He, he even, the, the harlot church, what's called the harlot church, I believe is a, is a coming together of faiths. You, you know, here's the thing. It sounds good. Let's be unified. Everybody who believes in God, let's all be unified. The trouble is, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of Almighty God and the only way, truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father but by Him, you cannot accept the God of Islam. You cannot accept Diana as God. You cannot accept the Antichrist setting up his image as being God. You cannot, by conviction, accept a false Christ. You have to stay true to the one Christ. So, so he destroys even this conglomeration of religious people who have come together forming this harlot church. This un, that's, harlotry is likened to spiritual unfaithfulness. That's why it's called the harlot church. And so those religions that have been unfaithful who join together, giving religious power along with this political power, along with economic power to the beast, they will, uh, he, he will even put them to death and, and get rid of them. 
And then God's judgment during this time is especially harsh to those who wear his mark to where they crawl, call out for, the, for the, uh, the rocks to fall upon them and kill them, and, and, and the, it won't. And the sun is intensified in its heat, and mis- people are miserable, crying out for death. Finally, the end is near, and the armies of the east march against the Antichrist. This is this 200 million strong army when the Euphrates dries up and when this probably Chinese army marches into or toward the Holy Land. And then comes Armageddon. As I told you, that's not, you don't believe me, look it up. Go over to Israel, check it out. Do that this week. There's a sign in the Valley of Megiddo. This is where the final world battle will take place. They are the plains of Megiddo. It's there. I saw it. I took a picture of it. I've got a slide somewhere showing it. I have no idea where the slide is. And it will appear that Antichrist is going to win this battle against this 200 million strong army. But that's when Jesus returns in the second, second coming. That's what I'm preaching on next week. The second, second coming. I'm not stuttering. The second, second coming. I'll explain what I mean. He returns in all his glory. Israel will see him whom they have pierced. They will recognize, in fact, he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of David. He is the promised one. And they will be converted, a nation as in a day. And the Antichrist and the false prophet, then, when the battle is won, at the end of that, they are put in a place of eternal torment. Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and had worshipped the statue. And both the beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Have you ever heard someone say, Preacher, I don't believe in a God who could throw someone into hell. I don't believe in a God... God should be loved. God should, you know what? God made a provision for everyone, angels and for people to be with him forever. The angels knew better. They were created a special class of people. They were given the opportunity, uh, in fact, to stay faithful. Two-thirds of them did. One-third of them did not. You and I are given the opportunity to to receive Christ. God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. He came to seek and to save the lost. God gave his only begotten son to endure your sin and my sin so that, in fact, in his death and his burial and his resurrection, he wins then for us salvation if we put our faith and trust and confidence in what he did for us. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God's not going to make you love him. God's not going to make you serve him. God's not going to make you believe in him. That has to be. By the way, this idea, I absolutely believe in the sovereignty of God. And in the sovereignty of God, listen closely, in the sovereignty of God, God ordained us to have a will in receiving or rejecting him. I know there's a lot of controversy about that. It's not easily proven the only alternative to me is God creates people and says I'm going to send you to hell that's why I created you and send you to hell and I don't find that compatible but anyway that's a whole other sermon the beast and false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse and all the vultures gorged themselves with the dead bodies and later later a thousand years later. Because you know what happens? And we don't have that 
we don't have the, the, I don't have the chart at this place, so don't worry about it. But, but a thousand years later, after the millennial kingdom, guess what happens in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10? The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Listen to this. Where the beast and the false prophet are. Present tense. 1,000 years later, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. 50 years ago, I didn't understand. I couldn't even comprehend how people would follow someone like the Antichrist. I mean, 50 years ago, I was in Bible college, and I was, studying, and I, I was studying this stuff, and prophecy class, and so on, and I thought, why would people be so naive? And I've got to say this. I look at voters in the United States of America today. It's a snap. It's easy. So they don't, if they don't have the Holy Spirit within them, they'll fall for anything. And anyone. And that's why it's important for you to make sure that you're trusting the Lord, Jesus Christ, not your baptismal certificate, not your catechism certificate, not your church membership, but you're trusting Christ as the living God and your personal Savior. Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed. Can I have your attention just for another minute? With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you're not sure you're saved, I want you to be sure before you leave. And I want to lead you in a prayer where you would ask the Lord to come into your life and to be your God and your King and your Lord and your Master. Would you let me lead you in that prayer? You can pray it in your own mind, your own heart. You can pray it to God. You can pray it out loud. It's okay with me. But you don't have to. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's in your heart right now. And if it's your desire to know Christ so that you don't have to go through this time, then would you, in fact, pray something like this? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to die and stand before you someday. By faith, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. I believe you when you say, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that your Father raised you from the dead, that I can be saved. I also believe you when you say, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to be one of those whosoever's today. Lord, please forgive me of my awful sins. Save my soul. I trust you in Jesus' name. With every head bowed for just another moment, if you just prayed that prayer as best you could, as sincere as you know how to be, you just now prayed it. Would you raise your hand up? Hold it up for just a moment. I won't embarrass you. Just hold it up real high. Keep it up for just a moment. Anyone pray that prayer? If you did, on the back table by the sound booth, some blue plastic bags with some literature, some information get you started in the Christian life. I'd invite you to pick up one of those. 
on your way out. Just grab one, take it home, look it over. If you have any questions, if we can help you in any way, we'd be glad to. Now, Father, in this invitation, this brief invitation, Lord, whatever your will is. God, if someone's here needing to talk to someone about, about Jesus, if someone's here wanting someone to pray for them because of a crisis they're in right now, if someone's here going through some important decisions they've got to make and they need, they need some prayer covering and some help, Lord, whatever it is that you've laid upon people's hearts, if somebody wants to join the church and wants to be baptized, I pray that they would come and find out how today. Lord, this invitation is for them, it's for you. Do your will, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? Ryan, would you come right over here? Where are you, Ryan? Yeah, there you are. Okay, Ryan's right here. John, would you go to the back? This is John. This is Ryan. Guys, if you need someone to pray with you, these two guys are going to be incredible prayer partners with you. They'll help you make whatever decision. They'll help you pray about whatever it is. And, and then Pat, right down here. And Rachel, you're in the back. Are you back there? She's in the very back. Come and stand close to John. Ladies, if you want to talk to Rachel, you want to pray with Pat, you have something special, they can help you some way, seek them out. This invitation. We're going to sing one verse. So if you're going to come, don't dally. Don't dilly-dally. If you're going to come to the invitation, come right now on one verse. John, Rachel, my wife, Ryan. Come ahead as we sing. to be a man of my word. That was one verse. <laughs> you ever been at a church where they sing 42 verses of the invitation? Huh? You know, you go, you, I mean, I almost want to get saved again just so I can get it, get it over with. All right. Don't forget your connect card. Visitors, put those in the offering plate in the back. Members of First Baptist Church, tithes and offerings go in that box in the back. Um, check our bulletin or calendar for scheduled Bible studies this week. There's, there are a few. And then next Sunday, the second, second Advent of Christ and communion service. So we will have communion. So you know what? Take this week. Get your heart ready. Don't let, look, the solution, if there's something in your life that's not right, the solution is not passing up the, the elements of communion. The solution is judging sin in your life, taking care of it, going to God, getting it right, and then take communion. You got a week to get that figured out, okay? So next week. Then coming up, two services on Easter, April 12th. Uh, 9 and 11 a.m. We need helpers. Uh, don't forget, if you've not been background checked, haven't filled out the paperwork, see Laura or see Julie and get today and get those forms. Uh, see Shira if you're interested in helping out. And by the way, Sam, thanks for helping out today. God bless you. Appreciate it. And uh, what's your name? John. What's the other guy's name? Jack. Jack. Jack and John. Okay. John and Jack. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your help. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay, and then also, oh, two more things, two real quick things. In our budget, we had we made a mistake. We, we're supporting a church plant in um, McFarland, if you know where that is. Uh, there was a movie about it. It's pretty incredible. And we actually met some of the people that were in, that were being portrayed in the movie.